Welcome to the Seat 14 Podcast, a different perspective on college basketball told by those who lived it. Join us as we bring you insider views, analysis, breakdowns, and predictions from one of the most storied programs in the country, from someone who saw it all from the end of the bench, the 14th seat. In association with the Field of 68 and alongside producer Jordan Barber, I'm your host, Todd Lanter, and this is Seat 14. Three, two, one. Welcome in. This is Seat 14, episode 16. No, 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 no. This is not how it goes when me and you are on here. Welcome to the Seat 14 podcast. This is episode 16. My name is Angelo Carriero. This is Todd Lanter. Of, of course, you know Todd, me. I'm with ESPN Radio Lexington on air and doing a little bit of producing like we do for our little pre and post game show we've got. But this is March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Todd and I are here, and we are watching, uh, about to watch some of this tournament. We've got our brackets laid out, and Todd, it yeah, is so, March so, Madness so, all the way through. I, yeah, so, see, man. So, Jordan and I, Jordan and I, uh, you know, try to co-host this together. Um, we pass the responsibilities back and forth, but I got my start in uh, radio with ESPN um, with uh, Angelo telling me how to do things. So he doesn't really like when I try to take control. So I'll, I'll let you have your moment. You got just, your side. You know, it, it, it's just, it's nice to see Todd that, that your wings are open, you know, you fly and like everything, not like an Auburn Eagle because you know, we're not obviously <laughs> not picking them to go very far, but no, Todd and I, we've been working together for a long time. Uh, good dude. I know, I know nobody wants to know about that, but good dude. Uh, been pleasure to work with you so far, but uh, only thing I'm disappointed about is that it's a seat, 14 episode 16 mm-hmm. and this is the first this time the that first i've been time. on it so uh, that's kind of where more hey I'm talk to the man talk to the man sitting next to you about that oh no it, i it, am look, i am Jor- trust Jor- me about jordan that. has been pushing me to go a lot more analytical I've yeah been, I, he, has, right. he has he has because look here's the thing you two have had a conversation off the air mm-hmm. uh plenty of times in in the corner bar here at lex live um about the analytics of basketball how the game's broken down uh we've been looking for this moment for a long time so here it is we're going to dive in to the depths of why we think uh, Kentucky might be able to make a significant run uh, deep into this NCAA tournament. Um, what might have brought them short in the SEC tournament and uh, what are the teams you might have to watch out for? So this is going to be a fun episode. Uh, we're bringing it to you live on St. Patty's Day from Lex Live, opening Thursday of the tournament um, in the NCAAs. And, you know, we're actually watching some games right now. I know Jordan's got some games on at home. Um, so we're, we're in the middle of it right now. And George is going to turn this around real quick, get it out before the Kentucky game this afternoon. Um, but this is going to be a fun episode. This is, uh, you know, this is the first time we've really, we've really dug into the analytics. Um, so I feel like it's going to be a lot more of me giving my opinion and you two giving state state and facts on me. Well, let's just say this. If you would have listened to the analytics of yours truly, then you wouldn't have made the mistake and put the jackrabbits in your sweet. (laughs) I'm just saying, because I try to forewarn you, but you, uh, you know, he's, he's a gut guy. Now look, his basketball eyes better than mine, but come on. I hadn't even got to talk to Jordan about this, but South Dakota state was my sleeper before we get to sleepers. Well, Todd, here's the thing, dude, they were everyone's sleeper. Yeah, but I didn't know that when I filled the bracket out. I put I have a date stamp on my bracket. I'll send it to do you. We, do we have confirmation of that? That you I actually didn't know you. that? It was it was literally the Sunday at I was in Tampa when the SEC or when the SEC tournament ended. Uh, you know, selection Sunday comes out. I have the notes right here. I'll read oh, them wow. off to you. Yeah. I'll read them off to you. South Dakota State, 
top effective field goal percentage, number one in college basketball. They rarely turn the ball over. They rebound well. Don't put guys on the foul line. They're a great matchup for Iowa should they get there. But obviously, they had a hurdle in Providence today um, who we just saw the conclusion of that game. They were they were uh, topped out. So I had them beating Providence. I had them beating Iowa and then diving in uh, against Kansas. Obviously, I think that was too big of a matchup for them, but it turns out Providence was. But hang on. we got to put that on pause because we yeah. got to rewind back to the SEC tournament. Well, I was going to say, okay, we'll get back to that. I'm just saying if you would have uh, looked at the analytics – like Jordan, I did, you would see that they had a bottom third defense in the entire country. While Providence, surprisingly, the top half of the Big East was one of the toughest conferences in all of college basketball. But before we get to the SEC tournament, all right, before we get to anything, it is St. Patty's Day. So I'm going to take a cheers. All yeah. right. So cheers. To Budweiser. You, Todd Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Jordan, Budweiser. you got a Budweiser there with you? I'm in my house with nothing. I'm in my room. <laughs> Check me Fair out. Enough. All right, Fair let the enough. games begin. All right, let's dive back to the SEC tournament. What did you see um, that is notable um, as far as – I mean, do you want to go straight to the Kentucky game specifically with Tennessee? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that – that's the, the, the tournament was weird, man. A&M showed up out of nowhere, knocked two of the favorites out. Mm-hmm. Two of the guys – and now they're not even in the tournament. Let's talk about that. Like, what, what yeah. the hell happened with that uh, – Selection Sunday, not including A and M in the in the bracket. They didn't even get in the in the play in. They weren't even yeah. Not only did they not get in the play in, but they were the last of the yeah. last four in, which I thought was surprising. If they'd have been the first of the first four in, or first of the last four in, I'm sorry, um, then I wouldn't have been you know ex- as upset. But the fact that they were the last of the last four in. Um, I don't really understand how that happens. I don't think Michigan should have been in the tournament. Obviously, they're uh, they're out here getting wins already. Um, yeah, they look decent. Know. They have 14 losses in the Big Ten. Right. They're in the Big Ten. Like I don't, I I think Texas A&M would have been a better suited. Yeah, I, I think it's time the SEC gets some respect put on its name. Honestly, I think agree? we're. A- I think we're on in the in agreement here. The SEC is the better team in the better uh, the better conference. conference. I'm sorry, in the country. The best? Do you think they're the best? No. Who's the best? I think I think this year they might be. In all fairness, I, they, I, think. I mean this year. I mean this yeah. year. And this yeah, yeah. year, think, honestly, man, it's it's either SEC or Big Twelve. I mean, I think it, I think the SEC has an edge. I, I really yeah. do. I, I mean, um, I think we were a tad top heavy, maybe not top heavy in the way that we thought we would be from the start of the season. Um, obviously, we've had a little bit of a shift. Um, in the in the power dynamic in the SEC than we than we originally expected, but I just I feel like I feel like Texas A and M should have gotten the nod, especially um, after the way that they knocked off, like you yeah. said, two of the favorites before running into Tennessee in the conference what, title. Were were they nine and nine in conference before the tournament started? They were mm-hmm. nine and nine. Yeah, I mean, that's I, a lot of losses. Go I'll ahead. say this before diving into Texas A&M because they did have a very bad stretch in which they lost eight in a row, right? Nine out of ten games between yeah. January. Yes, eight in a row, nine out of ten between January and February, and that might have been fresh on the committee's mind. Uh, overall, though, if you look at their resume stacked up against other teams, I mean, you had uh, teams like Marquette, uh, you had other teams like Michigan that played because you all left out the Big Ten. The Big Ten, obviously, very well represented within the tournament and the season that they had as a conference. 
But I will say this, Texas A&M, if you look at their schedule, now they did have a loss to Missouri and did have a loss to Vanderbilt, but the teams that they lost to mostly during that stretch were tournament teams, Kentucky, Arkansas, LSU, Tennessee, LSU again, Auburn, like all very highly ranked tournament teams, but they turned it around during the SEC tournament and fared very well against that competition. So among the other teams, at first, I didn't think it was so egregious, but now looking at it in the depths that we have, I think that you all are right that Texas A&M, if some of these other teams were able to get into the tournament, especially a team like Michigan, who didn't even have to play a play-in game to get into a solid seating, then why didn't Texas A&M? Yeah, I have, I have no explanation. Before, before we go on, the Big Ten thing, look, like they're in, you know, they got teams in. I will never, ever put my money on Big Ten teams in the Sweet 16, ever. <laughs> That's fine, but it was a stat. Co- it's every team was solid with usually like with one star. Like yeah. every every team, if you're talking about like Purdue, Wisconsin, Iowa, all the yeah. way through, and then uh, Indiana might make some noise, maybe just in that first game. But they won their first to four, uh, first four game, and then they might actually pull off the upset yeah. uh, against St. Mary's. So I think all three of us value defense a lot, and that's what that's what really hurts me in the Big Ten. You know, they all just put so much points up on each other. And then, then, then on conference play, it just goes downhill, man, real fast. That's something that I've noticed, uh, which which you could have said even as shortly as less than half a decade ago, that the Big Ten played a very, I, I won't say old, but they played more of a mid two thousand style of play. It yeah. looked like the basketball that you and I and Todd grew up with. Uh, but yes, the points were out of the world. Like if you look at both Iowa and Purdue, they're in the top five in offensive rating in the entire country. But in defense, I believe that Iowa was like 180 and Purdue was like 203rd in defensive rating. So you're right about that defense, not necessarily the calling card of these big 10 teams here in the tournament. (laughs) Facts. Well, we've quickly transitioned from the sec talk that we thought we were going to discuss in the past with uh, Kentucky and and moved on to the NCAA tournament. But honestly, at the time this is going to come out, people are going to want to hear about the NCAA tournament. So let's quickly yeah. touch on what you think Kentucky needs let's, to improve yeah. on. Yeah, let's touch specifically. Tennessee. Touch Kentucky's specifically loss. on the performance against yeah. Tennessee, and then let's yeah. go on and transition into this. Well, what is – I mean, Angelo, I'm interested to know what your takeaways were from it. Was it – I think essentially it came down to two narratives. A, was the shooting just way too cold, right? Like some <laughs> nights fans are going to sit back and say, look, we just didn't hit shots, and that's how it goes. I really don't like that philosophy. That's not really something I like to hang my hat on. I think good teams generate good offense regardless yeah. of the situation. So me personally, I had an issue with it, but do, do you see it as just a, they couldn't make shots or is there something deeper that, that went on in that Tennessee game? I think overall, um, this is a team that in the offseason I had said was a national title contender. I, I thought they were the I thought Kentucky was the favorite for the national championship uh, coming into this season because they had what I call is the Trinity of modern college basketball. You have returning players, you have good recruits and you have good transfers coming in. And when you have those three things to meld together, that you will be a high successful program in the NCAA Kentucky checked all those boxes. Now, ironically on the same side of their bracket, Gonzaga kind of checks those boxes those boxes too, but we'll get to that. Overall, I am a little more worried about Kentucky than I was at the beginning of the year. I think number, number one, they're, they're on 
ball scoring where you see in the Big Ten, like we talked about, where Indiana has Trace. You have Keegan Murray at Iowa. You have uh, Jordan Davis uh, at Wisconsin. You have those guys, uh, Jay Nivey. Jay Nivey, yeah. got guys that you completely trust. Kentucky's is a freshman in Ty Ty Washington. That's that's who they have to be that on-ball guy. Otherwise, Severe Wheeler, as, as, what, as good as what he brings to the table, it's very dependent on the same action over and over again. The fast drive into the paint, collapse the defense, and then his vision being able to dish it out to whoever's open. Oscar is one of the best low post scorers in college basketball. Uh, he can even stretch his range out to about 15 feet on that mid-range jumper, but he's not an offensive creator. And Kellen Grady, a, a guy that was a 2,000-point scorer at Davidson, I thought eventually would be allowed to open up his entire game. But he's been relegated to the C.J. Frederick role, where he's just primarily a three-point shooter, and that's kind of his game. It's very, very much tie-tie heavy and tie-tie dependent on the shot creation. That worries me because Davion's limited to threes. Uh, Bryce Hopkins is just too raw. It, it's those uh, situations, and honestly, I just uh, when it comes to it, I am worried that Kentucky is not going to be able to generate enough ISO offense. And Tennessee, as a bad matchup for Kentucky, kind of exemplifies that when their team defense is so good. Who's the guy that just says, you know, I'm, I'm out. Like, I, I'm going to drive to the hole. I'm going to draw fouls. I'm going to break down defenses, and I'm going to make it tough yeah. to where we can generate open shots. So that, that's where I think Kentucky's weak going into the tournament. Because Oscar, as great as he is, and he's awesome, I don't think people – I think people heavily – underrated his intangibles going into this season his motor his hands his drive to just compete I think are what makes him an awesome player um he struggles with length it is what it is you know it, it's it's difficult for him to score over a straight up seven footer exactly exactly he does that now there was the Jamarion Sharp game with WKU where it kind of gave you hope but that's not the case. Like you said, yeah. Oscar, if you, if you get a guy like, uh, I, I per, apologize for the pronunciation, Edie or Edley at Purdue, Edie. the 7 4 kid, uh, that's a likely six, sweet 16 yeah. matchup. We'll, we'll get to that. I think that's Kentucky's worst matchup in the whole bracket. Well, Purdue? okay, we will get to yeah. that. But yes, you yeah, feel Oscar strongly does struggle. about that. All right, we're back. We're back. We're back. All right, sorry, dude. My Siri keeps turning on and right. just ruining everything. Um, All right. But yeah, if you're one of those, we heard if you're Oscar, if you're one of those teams that can match up with Oscar and you can throw a seven footer at him, that's going to give him enough problems. That's where I really think Kentucky's offense is ultimately dependent on their offense as far as team creation goes. Obviously, Ty Ty is the best creator on the ball by himself. I'm just going to go score on this guy. As far as team creation, you know, if Oscar is dealing with is dealing with a seven footer down low that he can't just move at will. And Savir can't get into the lane and get his angles that he prefers. Kentucky's offense really stalls, like big time. Like yeah. as far as great offensive teams, which they are, the metrics say they are. Right? We all know that right. the metrics say that they're a top five offense in the country. The the scoring droughts that I've seen this team go on just, quite frankly, just baffle me. And I I think it's a byproduct of a lack of creativity. Uh, on the on the offensive coaching side you said what'd you say earlier Angelo you said like uh, you said something like they're dependent on the same actions and I yeah, yeah exactly it seems like that everybody like from Wheeler to to Grady to 
Shibway can kind of do some stuff, but yeah, they kind of spam the same button. Like yeah. if you're playing Mortal like Kombat, playing, yeah. you're just doing the one hit that's giving you success, but the, the second uh, that your opponent counters it, it's like, all right, what's what's yeah. what's next? The little I'm leg sweep. In the, yeah, that's a good reference. That's a, that's a nice drop right there. Yeah, so I, I before we move on, I think the Tennessee game was what it was. Todd, do you have anything to say about it? Yeah, I was going to say combine that with the fact that like we shot, I mean, as pathetically as we shot from the field, right? If we'd even shot our average, and we talked about this in the pregame yeah. show, if Kentucky had shot their average from the field goal or for, uh, in field goal percentage, we still win that game by 15 points. And that's a top 10 team in Tennessee. So you have to, you know, based on playing the numbers here, we're not going to shoot that pathetically throughout, you know, at least a six game stretch um, in the postseason here in March. If we're able to perform even what we normally perform at, which quite frankly isn't that great, we're still outplaying most top 10 teams. I can live with that. Um, this was a bit of a fluke. I mean, obviously, I don't want to lose. I don't think it was a bit of a fluke. I don't think it okay, was. The why reason not? why, because it, it, the last game, I know Kentucky beat Tennessee the first time. Yeah. But the second time Kentucky played Tennessee, it was okay. a duplication Let me of rephrase. That loss. Let me rephrase. You're not wrong. I don't mean that the loss was a fluke. I mean that the field goal percentage was a fluke. Okay, but can we look at the quality of the shots, though? As yeah, well, I the, think that's important too. And and I and I do, and I honestly think that, that goes back to the position we were putting our scores in. I think we've we've talked about this a hundred times. I want the ball in Kellen's hands. I want those dribble handoffs, looks. I want to force the defense into committing to that attack so that we can counter it. What we yeah. were doing was settling for what they were giving us. I don't like that. I don't think that this team can operate that way and score at an efficient level. And if we continue to settle for those types of weaker position shots from the players that we don't want taking them, then we're exposed. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm hoping that, um, that, that they've at least looked at the tape and seen that that's what we were doing in that game. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a, there's a famous phrase in basketball from, 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 you know, kindergarten on up, take what the defense gives you. Once you reach this elite level of college basketball, yeah. that's not necessarily true. They're, they're going to give you what they know that you yeah. can't convert on. They're giving and, it to you for a reason. Exactly. And so when you when you look at this Kentucky team and what we have struggled with through this season, and that's what we're settling for in the SEC semifinals. It's worrisome. The I will say the the um, the early shot clock, Savir mid range pull up with a guy in le less than three, four feet away from him. I hate that shot. I don't That's understand. Contested. I don't understand contested. how we're ending up in that shot at this stage in the year. It reminds me of the um, Russell Westbrook, Oklahoma City Thunder, where oh, a lot of the times that they would come up the court in Westbrook, that was part of their designed offense was for him to come up and get that 16-foot you know, corner of the free throw line jumper as a part of a way to you know, kind of bring the defense up a little bit because you know that – you know, much in the same way, completely different, you know, size, height, weight, athleticism players, but in the terms of their skills, very similar. And where if Wheeler isn't getting some type of defender coming up on him with that shot that you're talking about, then what's the difference between a team when Wheeler's driving down the court and they're like, we're in the middle of the paint already. Mm -hmm. So we can't break it down. He's got to find a way to bring that guy up so he can come in and break him down and get everything else around them. Yeah, yeah. I agree. You're right. Kentucky's You're right. When we're able to penetrate and kick out for those open looks, let the defense overcorrect and then attack. Other, otherwise, we, what's Wheeler bringing you? Yeah. No offense right. to Wheeler because I love right. watching Wheeler, but otherwise, if he's not doing that, then – So you think that of, they should just live and die on the sword? 
that Savir's gotta gotta take those shots because you're right. At the I, end of the day, if he can't pull that guy out, then what's he doing? I think I think at the end of the day you close without him. That's what I think. I think I, at the end of the day, Davion and Ty Ty are your backcourt. Yeah. Ty Ty's the primary ball handler. And then whether yeah. it's Brooks, Shibway, Toppin, excuse me, Grady, Grady in there. But uh yeah, if it's if it's Grady, Toppin, Shibway, you know, however you do that, Grady has to be in there. You all are right. Uh, my, my slip up, but yeah, that's pretty much what you're going to have to close with. Wheeler is only right now a middle of the second quarter, you know, early th- or second uh, first half, you know, early second M- half type NBA mind talking again. NBA mind. I'm always, I'm always in that. Yeah. 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 Me too, man. Right. It's it. Let's take, go wait, ahead, wait, sorry. wait. I have one more thing. I have okay. one more thing. Okay. Go ahead. So after the loss, um, after the Tennessee loss, uh, Twitter was going crazy, mostly speaking on Kellen's perceived lack of confidence in their eyes, his lack of a confident shot, his lack of like, all right, time for me to make these. Well, I went on quite a rant. I don't know if you saw Todd. Oh, I, I went on quite a rant. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I think that there is some amount to it. I think it's probably like one third of his confidence. I do not think... I think that Kentucky has done a criminally bad job of getting Kellen the ball in places where he is most comfortable with it. Whether it is in <laughs> to me personally, I know Angela, you were saying you want him to get more in his bag. I don't know if that's necessarily his role, but I think one way we could help him create more downhill pressure is if we ran more set plays for him to get the ball off a screen, knowing he's going to shoot it, making a defender commit to his shot knowing damn well that okay this play is designed we're setting a pin down on the baseline or maybe two screens up top kellen's going to get this ball and he's going to shoot it what i always see and welcome back unbelievable it's okay it's hey that's what happens i should pre- wait <laughs> I should preference. Uh, I, should, I, should, I, should pre- I should preface Angelo's response with this podcast is not sponsored by basketballreference.com. Yeah, it was. It's not basketballreference.com. Uh, it, it, it's 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 tangent. But uh, what it is though is that when you look up, it's exactly well. It's supporting majority. Is it Davidson again? Two thousand point score at Davidson. He was taking almost nine shots a game from two point range, and at Kentucky this year, he's shooting two point seven. He's shooting less than three when he was almost at nine in his prime at Davidson. Okay, what it's is what, that? It's what you're saying though is that when Kentucky is hurting for a secondary ball, ma- a ball handler, playmaker, or even a spot up shooter in the in the mid range, Kellen Grady is being pigeonholed as threes only when i'm with jordan can we please i don't think it'll happen because if it was going to why hasn't it happened yet i I agree with you all totally i think that he's come a long way since and and when i say he i mean kellen along with the coaching staff in his progression of his game because in the first half of the season he was literally a spot-up shooter now we've gotten to the point where we're utilizing him a little bit more with the dribble handoffs and pick and rolls but i don't know we are a little bit, but I'm but, kinda, but, but but I know what he's saying is he needs to be allowed that freedom offensively to kind of create his own rhythm. And and I I'm, I I I pose to you two, how much does that have to do with the roster? Because Kentucky's roster's obviously got significant more post presence than Davidson did. How much is is Kellen's game limited in the way that he was able to kind of um, 
take advantage of those opportunities with a Davidson roster that he might not be able to with the Wildcats. Yeah. Is that affecting it? It's it's something we've seen for a long time. Players come to Kentucky and they're surrounded by more talent, thus less shots. But mm-hmm. my argument, when you're struggling to create in the half court the way we are because a team can just pack it in on Oscar, because ultimately he is the most reliable offensive threat. When you're yeah. struggling to create in the half court, let's see some creativity. I want you guys to think about when you're watching Kellen take threes, they're coming in three different ways. First, transition. We know that this team can run. They get out. Kellen takes threes in transition. It's great. You know, th- those are where almost, I'd say probably 70% of his looks from three come in transition. Mm-hmm. Second, Savier kickouts, tie tie kickouts where they drive, collapse defense, find Kellen. His relocation off the ball is pretty good. Third, literally every time, this is the only set play I have ever seen Kentucky run for Kellen. It's the, the patented cow floppy where you put a guy underneath the rim, two guys screening on either block. He's going to run back and forth, pick and choose which way he's going to go. Yep. That does not give Kellen the ball the way that he needs to, to receive it. He's receiving that ball on the, on the elbow extended out near the three-point line in triple threat. I don't think that he – he's not Jamal Murray. He doesn't thrive in the triple threat the way guys like Jamal Murray or Devin Booker would. Not really Devin while he was here, but later on in his career, yeah. yeah. I think first and foremost, I think you need to create a sense of – of like fear for the defense, knowing that you're running these set plays for him. He can catch the ball, set, one, two, shoot. We, yeah. He's never getting those looks, literally not a single time in, in I, this entire I, season. I, I, let me let me interject go ahead, here. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, because I, I actually agree more with Jordan than you at this point in the terms of – No, I don't disagree with you. No, no, no. I know you're not yeah, saying you okay. disagree with him. You're saying that they've opened up the offense a little more. I'm posing the question. Okay. But the, go ahead. I feel like that what we've seen is that – He's because our eyes are drawn to him more that we see more of what they are doing with him. But again, and I, and I'm not just a stats guy. I watch the games too, but in the terms of what he's doing now to what he's done in this past, it's literally, it it has been pigeonholed in the three. It's not only in the two point range, but he's only drawing one free throw a game. So there are games where he just doesn't go to the line. And I think to Jordan's point in mind as well is that there is more of a skill creation and there is more of an opportunity for Grady because he was getting to the line almost four times a game at one point. He is able to do some of those things. It's just that it's not necessarily like, hey, can Kellen go and get us 35 in a game? Mm -hmm. It's not that we're asking that. It's like, okay, Ty Ty has to do everything. Can Kellen do more than just run the arc? Because that's what – is that what you're saying, Jordan? Pretty much all he's doing is just running the arc, and if it's not there, I mean, maybe yeah, he's cutting well, sometimes, but I mean, all, like, other than that. All of his shots for himself are created by himself. We yeah, are never, yeah. as an offense, creating situations like, for example, in Tennessee game, uh, Vescovy ran a really intricate, like, two screens on, on the weak yeah. side, ran into the corner, catch the ball, one, two, shoot. He knew he was going to take that shot. The, yeah. entire t- the entire team knew. When does Kentucky ever, you're, ever you're right. run a set so, like that? So that, that offense that he's describing, that floppy, is specifically set up for Kellen to catch the ball, or whoever the guard is in that position, to catch the ball on free throw line extended and literally face up and look to attack. And if it's Triple not there, they kick it back to the head of the key, run off the baseline screens again, catch it on the other wing, face up, look to attack. If you, to, you do that three turns, you use the shot clock up, and you're literally asking Kellen again – catch it in triple threat, face up to the defender, and create a shot. I agree with him. Kellen's capable of doing that sometimes, but he's most effective when we've set him up 
for a play where he's able to kind of catch it into the rhythm and he and we and we haven't done a good job of utilizing it. Yeah. All it's right. just it's it's offended me a lot this year, hey, but gonna, I still like gonna, this team. Yeah, I like this team. We're gonna keep we're not gonna finish we're not gonna finish with that. We're gonna dive into the to the brackets and see how we think that we can maybe use Kellen and the other assets that we have to uh, advance through six games and make it to uh, hoist in another trophy. So we're going to take a quick break, uh, and we'll be right back. And we'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, he's the captain now. Let me take a second to tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now's the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. What sets them apart, though, is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new Rush Pay instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable. With basketball season tipping off, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading the Bet Rivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800- We're back. I'm sorry, everyone who had to listen to me rant, get on my soapbox about the Cal offense and the Kellen Grady thing. That, in theory, should be the last time I have to do it if everything goes well, goes according to plan. But one thing I didn't mention that I saw in that SEC tournament game that I think gives me a lot of pause about this team going forward. I don't know if you guys saw it, but I certainly did. The defense at the point of attack by Ty Ty and Savir was atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. Not only that, they gave up how many back cuts? You all remember that game? They gave up a lot, like a whole lot, like more than I am used to seeing because – Say what you will about Cal. He's a great defensive coach. I think he's one of the best in the country. I don't understand how Chandler – I'd like, uh, Angelo, if you could pull up the stats of that Tennessee game for their guards. Um, I'd like to see, dude, Chandler was in the lane at will. Uh, yeah. Whatever his name is, Ziegler, in the lane at will. He did most of his off-ball. Cal mentioned it, too, in his post-game presser. Like, whoever it was, it was either Ty-Ty or Severe totally fell asleep, complete lapse with like two or three minutes left to go, gave up a wide open back cut. Yep. That, that, that shit does not re- win in March. I remember, at all. I remember turning to the, um, cause, cause I was, I had, was fortunate enough to be able to be at that game. Um, and I'll yeah. say before we, before we get in, I mean, I, we're, I know we're knee deep in the analytics of this, but the vibe of that game was whole, was off. It just no shoot around. Why, why? I don't, I don't know. I don't. And, and Cal's so superstitious. I, I'm not sure. I don't know what, what the circumstances are behind that. Um, but I'll just say that it didn't, the energy didn't feel to be there. Um, which honestly, it surprised me. I mean, it, it didn't, it didn't feel like I expected it to feel. Um, and, and that was a little bit concerning even from the get go. And then as the game went on and we continued to make these mistakes, um, which, you know, you referenced and Angelo is going to back up with these statistics here when I'm done talking, but it, it, it felt, it felt like they weren't taking it as seriously as they need to at this point in the year. Like every single possession matters. And we've got, we've, we've, we've harped on that on both the ESPN radio pregame and postgame show. And on this seat 14 podcast, we've talked diligently about how these young groups sometimes just kind of lacks on a possession or two. And it ends up costing them the game. I think that happened several times. They gave us. And we're not games. supposed to be a young group. Exactly. We got veterans. We got three veterans, at least. Well, three, three transfer veterans, plus the two that we've already had playing for Cal for several years. And we had these lapses in judgment, lapses in effort. 
that you shouldn't be having at this point in the season. And then Tennessee still gave us a chance. And we still did it. There was one in particular play where Keon Brooks, who I love, and I think he gets an absolute unfair amount of hatred. And we've talked about it on our show several times about how I agree the fan that. base is over the top about his, his shooting decisions and stuff. And I don't think that's ever the problem. I don't think that's the problem with this team at all. I think that, that we have just significant lapses in effort when we, when we least need it. And in this particular situation, it happened on the free throw that you and I talked about where his man just blew past his, his box out, grabs the ball, and gives Tennessee oh, the yeah. That was another one. You can't have that happen in March. It just can't happen. It's yeah. a loss. It's a loss every time if you're letting that happen in March. When but you, analytically – go ahead. I'm sorry. Get, you got three top-tier athletes in the paint, and Santiago Vescovi comes down exactly. with the offensive rebound. And slips in there and grabs it and gets that put. But you can't have that happen. Go ahead. Analytically, what we got? Um, no, we were talking about uh, Kennedy Chandler was 7 of 13 from two-point range uh, during that game. If you're talking about back cuts, uh, Ziegler was only one of four, but he was 6 of 8 from the free throw line. So, obviously, you know, drawing fouls in, in those situations. Yeah. Uh, overall, the numbers aren't as glaring as you would think they were. Uh, I mean, 44.2% from the field uh, for Tennessee. Uh, free throws, though, 25 attempts for Tennessee during that game. So, I mean, like uh, when it the comes officiating to- was really bad both ways. It was, it, you was know? it was a Pat, it was a Pat Adams and Doug show. So, <laughs> it was bad. You know how that goes. It was bad. I actually I don't even know if I should say this on here, but I'm going to do it anyway. I actually like physically ran into uh, Pat Adams in the in the uh, lobby of the hotel. And I was like, oh, yes. what are you doing in the lobby of our hotel? Like on the game on game day, like what was he doing? And like wandering around, I'm like, you're just you just want people, you want Kentucky fans to see you and engage with you. He's just yeah. wandering around down in the lobby. Absurd. I mean, I, man, I mean, you always want to be famous, baby. I I, I get that. Yeah. Hey, same. Hey, but Tony Green. I mean, I I'm, I don't want to get into the refs refs conversation, yeah, but yeah. I did have a conversation with Tony Green. I love Tony Green. Tony Green's always been great to me. Love that guy. No, I don't know. Who oh, Tony I thought Green you were. Is. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm no, not familiar with Tony, Tony Green. Green. No, neither of you know who that is. No. Oh, wow. Yeah, All right. Like, oh, we're young. Okay. No. All right. So bracketology. There it is. So far, Are we ready for it? Because I've been I've been chomping at the bit. Like, look, everything that we've been talking about, I love everything we've been talking about. Obviously, Kentucky is this near is what and dear to about. my heart, and this guy right here obviously bleeds blue. Uh, Guys, this is this is uh, tournament time. And by the way, um, my bracket, I am one for three. I'm one to for start three out. Well. No, you're not. I am. You are. I am. That's right. Because uh, yeah. he had Memphis, but you had Providence getting upset. I had Providence. But I thought you had the other game, too. Oh, no, South we both the, picked Colorado State. I had South Dakota State, and you convinced me to go with Colorado State. I convinced you. You, you hated we Michigan. Sat right here. You in- hated that. You said, oh, Michigan shouldn't uh-huh. be in the tournament. I don't think Michigan should have been in the tournament. Then, I don't, then how I don't, did I have to convince you? you we sat here and had this conversation. Are we really going to do this? Also, right, listen to te- me. Texas, te- the fact that Michigan's in the tournament with 14 losses and Texas A&M is not in the tournament is absurd. It's absurd. And I Agreed. get what we, we did talk about this. Texas A&M dropped some easy ones, but they, but they, they're in the SEC. And we're, I mean, I they mostly just drop hard there. ones, to be honest. I was going to say, I, I, I think that's games. part of probably why their resume was what it was, was that, you know, even though you lose to great teams, and again, I, I looked at it and I agreed with you all, but even if you lose to great teams, you're still lost. Like, yeah. And I think, I think, I think that's important to compare your resume to who do you lose to, to who you win to. 
uh, or went against. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, we'll say the Big Ten bias is getting kind of outdated. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. SEC is low key the better conference now. I I think that is leaps and bounds true, and I said that a minute ago before we you started did. this. And you you, you rolled absolutely your eyes did. Me. No, I didn't roll my eyes at you. I just said that. You're if right. You, look you at said the Big choice 10, words that I'm not going to repeat on here. I said no. <laughs> come on. The Big Ten was good. This honestly, like back in the day, for all of us, the ACC was the strongest conference in college basketball. Right. But right now, I would put the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Big Twelve all above it. And if you look at the top absolutely. half of the Big East this year, the Big East was tough. The Big East they got was a tough. lot of teams in. I'll here. tell you who wasn't tough. And you set them at the top of that sentence. The ACC. Would they have two teams in? Uh, they have Tech, North Carolina, North Duke, Carolina Tech, and UNC. Three teams. Was that it? Yeah. And North Carolina. And that was the North, conference. North Carolina earned it. Later. Oh, my Miami. Miami. Oh, Miami. Okay, Florida okay, okay, is in okay, there. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. That that's a little better. That's a little better representation than I was giving them credit for. Four. I mean, only four teams, dude. That's pretty yeah, weak. I know, but I'm saying that's better representation. I was giving them credit yeah. for. I thought I'm looking had, through it here. That's all. I, I don't. I'm looking down. I, this I, as I think well. I'm high on Tech and I'm high on. I'm decently high on Duke. I don't. I don't like North Carolina. Obviously, I see why they got in and they should. Um, but but I'm not sold on them. Uh, but Miami is better than I gave them credit for. Yeah, yeah North Carolina's not. I actually have Miami picked in the first round. Jordan, why don't you lead us? Where Where do you want to start with these brackets? Hang on. Because... Do you have Miami picked over USC in the first round? Me? Yeah. So here's my thing. This is I, I need to come clean with you guys. I don't fill out brackets. Oh, this what? is a weird. It's a weird superstition what? that I have. Are you kidding? I don't me? fill out a bracket. Well, I how never is superstition for what? How is that yeah. fun at all? What is a it superstition? It makes no sense. Trust me. I'm aware that I am by far the minority. You can, I'm the black sheep, no doubt. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, Jordan. No, I'm not as, I'm not saying that you're not filling out a bracket. Like it's your right, but what's the superstition behind it? Because I think the Kentucky bias creeps in no matter what. And I am not, I'm not going to try and expose myself to that. You know, like I I look at that bracket, I'm like, oh yeah, Kentucky can beat all these teams. But I, I understand that, but like, it, it the, the at least even like the first round isn't fun to be like yeah I got that no, right it's fun dude it's trust me I understand it's fun oh. but I I have religiously avoided it since like high school oh, oh. I hate that I hate that a lot that's really I'm, I love how you led hard. the conversation with I got to come clean about this though to yeah. be fair my bias does creep in but my exactly bias, but my bias won't creep in until the final four if I don't no, think no the final, bias. It doesn't like when I when I see I'm all my I'm not gonna reveal anything, but no 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 no, no. <laughs> I don't think we're a final four team. I don't put us I don't advance. <laughs> I don't I wasn't talking about us. Who are you when referring to I... in your bias? Oh, I do. Okay, all right, okay. Wisconsin okay. out in the first I have, round. I, I no, I have, <laughs> no the opposite. No, 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 we'll save it. We'll save it. Okay. Jordan, lead lead us to water. What's the first part of this bracket? Because I'm ready to tear this apart. Where I, I want to start. Look, me personally, I, I do want to start in the South. I think it's it's a weird bracket. I think most people have Arizona penciled in, but you know, where what are you guys seeing? Because Tennessee is absolutely just molly whopping Longwood right now. Is Tennessee the the second best team in that bracket? What do you guys think? No, I have Tennessee losing to Nova in okay. the sweet team. I, I don't have Tennessee or Arizona coming out. Wow. Houston? He has Houston. I have Houston. You have Houston. I was right. Wow. I have Houston. Houston. I do. I, if you look at a breakdown of this bracket, uh, first off, like uh, I can't wait to make the call in the Houston Arizona game. I'm like Houston. We have a problem. I can't wait 
You you were so, so you're so corny. Dude. I can't wait you to are... hear it, bro. Like that's the first time. Um, so uh, the way that I broke down this bracket, um, I had Colorado State going going to the Sweet Sixteen. Obviously, I'm incorrect about that, as they had just lost to okay. Michigan. I do now think that Tennessee could make a run to the Sweet Sixteen and even the Elite Eight. Arizona, here's the thing: Arizona matches up. Perfectly. Like if you look at their numbers, if you look at their offensive rating, their defensive rating, everything about them, the players that they have, uh, even they had high end players. The one thing about Arizona, and I don't know how this will go. They are extremely young and they don't have an, they don't have the next Anthony Davis, like that Benedict kid, like he might be like a good NBA player, uh, but we're talking about a generational one in Davis. If you're talking about Kentucky, you're talking about like Okafor, Jones, uh, Winslow, where it was just like a, a, a plethora of high end first round NBA talent uh, at Duke huge, at Duke. Yes. When they won their title, just trying to compare it to other young teams that have won it. Yeah. Uh, it it's still rare. Do you put, are you putting any stock into the into the matchup earlier this year when Tennessee beat Arizona? Uh, no, I don't have. But I, I don't have Tennessee and Arizona. No, if you're talking about like no. why Arizona couldn't yeah, be successful in yeah. that in that in that arena, no, I'm not actually uh, with Houston. Uh, and and again, I have Villanova kind of creeping into the elite. It's almost a, a default at that point. And now that Colorado State uh, lost, I could see Tennessee being the lead eight representative. But if you look at Houston, and I know that their conference isn't heralded like others, they are actually tenth in offensive rating. They are fourth in defensive rating. They're fourth in points per game. And their SRS, at according to sports reference, is third in the entire country, which kind of weights the, like, the strength of schedule and whatnot. Um, it, Houston all around is a very effective uh, basketball team. And the one thing that I like about them, now they do have two losses that are kind of uh, but they pretty much blow out every time they win. They it's pretty much a blowout. Like Houston is a high quality basketball team. And I just think that with their, let's see, their top players, senior, 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 sophomore, junior, senior, are their top I, eight players. I honestly don't even think this Houston, Illinois game is even going to be close. I think they'll smoke them. You think Houston will smoke Houston Illinois? Will smoke okay. Illinois. Some people and, have been, some people have taken uh Chattanooga to win that that game against Illinois. I think they match up well. Chattanooga does have a seven footer of their own to throw it. Oh well, well. Coburn. Oh, that's funny because the guy that's their seven footer is Desusu. Desuso. He's the guy that threw the chair at the Kansas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> throwback. Good too, though. It's yeah. overshadowed that he was a good basketball player. It's just that you know he got a little Bob Knighty, you know, yeah, inside yeah. of him. <laughs> so that uh, happens to the best of us. I have Chattanooga. So if we're looking at this bracket, I have Arizona, Seton Hall over TCU, which I had to convince Todd of that. But if you look at their that, profiles, that's actually the only blank line that I walked in with this morning. At 9.30 this morning, whatever time it was, I walked in, so, and I didn't know TCU or Seton Hall, and we talked about it. And you convinced and me to go with I was going to say, if you're wrong, you can blame it on me uh-huh. on that one. Houston, Chattanooga, did you, you had Illinois. I had Illinois. I had Colorado State. I had Colorado which State. Which I had going too far. Tennessee. I actually have Ohio State over Loyola Chicago because everybody wants to bet against Ohio State, and rightfully so. I'm not the, high on a, I, I honestly, I'm going to be full disclosure here. I would have bet whoever Ohio State was playing. Exactly. I, that, I was but not. But that's part of it. Yeah, I was not. I, I'm a little biased on this. I am not high on Ohio State at all. I wasn't high on Ohio State when we were playing them 
when we were supposed to play them in Vegas. Um, although I thought because of the matchup pro- problems that they could have caused us, that Ohio State might have gotten us back then. Now this Kentucky team has advanced uh, far and beyond what they were back in November or early December. Um, I don't think this Ohio State team has panned out to what they uh, were expected to be. So I, I, I picked Loyola over them. Obviously, you can't bet against Sister Jean anyway. I, well, I can round. I can absolutely bet against Sister Jean. <laughs> right I hope they're out in the first round because of Sister Jean. I, <laughs> I won't lie to you right now. I, I'm I'll, take, I'll take Loyola look, over Ohio State. And Ohio, if I'm wrong, I'll still sport a Loyola shirt tomorrow. That's, that's fine. Uh, Loyola Chicago has a profile that could win. Uh, Ohio State's still 21st uh, in offensive rating. They have a top player in Liddell, and they played a much tougher schedule. Not saying that, that that's totally indicative of what will happen. I just think that I think the Ohio State hates a little too far. And then I have uh, Villanova. So then I have Arizona, Houston. I had Colorado State, which is eh, wrong, uh, and Villanova. Then I had Houston, Villanova, and Houston going on to the final four. Wow. Todd, who are your – what's your Elite Eight matchup in the South? My, my Elite Eight is Zona Nova, and I took Zona. Yeah, went chalk. I, I, I see that. I like Zona. Yeah. I do. I think I, that their odds of making the final four are quite high. I like I like Arizona too. It's more of Houston, you know, being being maybe better than people. Oh, yeah, a bit underrated. Yeah, then Arizona, but I could very well be wrong. I just there's there are times, especially with a team like Houston, where your advanced metrics wear out and you're senior laden. It's kind of like all right, then where are you slipping up? Is it size? Is it this, is it this or that? And they seem to kind of check all of the boxes, even scoring uh, all the way through. They, they kind of they kind of just check all of the boxes. For I'm me. a little ashamed to admit that out of the South region, the Houston uh, five seed being in the elite eight. I'm sorry. The sweet 16 is the only non chalk uh, pick that I have in that one. So okay. my my, uh, my sweet sweet 16 was one, two, three and five. All right, then let's hit the Midwest. Your all boys right. are your boys. Wisconsin are down there. Uh, are we all in agreement that Kansas is not going to be the Final Four representative out of the Midwest? I, I agree. I don't. I, I'm a little soured from uh, the Wisconsin matchup against Kentucky because of the 30 point blowout. Um, I'll admit that I do think they have uh, significant talent on that roster, um, but just after what I saw in what and if you remember, I picked Kansas against Kentucky, and then got yeah. absolutely obliterated. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, I did not expect. Uh, Kentucky to come out with that type of confidence with the way they've been playing in the games leading up to that Kansas matchup. I didn't expect Kansas to kind of disappear in the way that they'd normally stepped up against better competition in the past. Um, but Kentucky, you know, certainly put their foot down in that situation. And that's kind of where I think our season pivoted. Um, and, and, you know, Kansas has obviously, you know, played some fantastic basketball since then. Um, but I'm still, I can't get that sour taste. Out yeah. of my mouth. I have, I have in the elite eight out of the Midwest, I have Kansas. I had South Dakota State. I was obviously wrong about that. I thought they were going to be the sleeper. Uh, let's re- let's replace them with Iowa, um, and then Wisconsin and Auburn. Um, Kansas, Wisconsin, and in the, in the uh, Elite Eight, and Wisconsin coming to the Final Four. Hey, interesting. So, where, who's Auburn losing to? Wisconsin? No, all yeah, Auburn's losing to Wisconsin. And actually, mm. uh, right now, our buddy over here, uh, Parker, sitting next to us. The Richmond Iowa game is a one point spread right now. How much time? halftime all right so you have kansas I had and wisconsin kansas wisconsin and now, the, why, why so, wisconsin over auburn 
I really don't like Auburn. I mean, I, I know that they've performed well. I just I think that they're easily guardable once you've got them figured out. I really do. I think I think the guards are ball stoppers. They don't yeah. play through Jabari Smith. And and Jordan and I harped on this. We had a pretty heated text conversation going back and forth in agreement, though, but but a passionate text conversation going back and forth during uh, the SEC tournament. Auburn's guards are not good. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't play through their best player. Their best player doesn't like it's like they're it's like they're playing the basketball game and then they're like, oh, shit, we need a basket. Let's go to the number one draft pick. It's like they realize he's on the team all of a sudden halfway through the ball game. They're not playing for him. Go ahead. I get shades of the way that Kellen Grady is not utilized properly at Kentucky with the way that uh, Jabari Smith Jabari is, is yeah. yeah. At, it's at not Auburn. even I, – I think you're, to piggyback your point, Kellen might be being misused. Jabari Smith is being underutilized. Underused, sure, yeah. He literally is not – Because it's, it's hard to misuse that guy. He exactly, can do pretty much everything. Exactly. And and the way that I think that and, – and, you know, I'm, I'm a great – I'm a great – I'm a big fan of Bruce Pearl. I think he's, you know, a fantastic coach. But the way that he goes about uh, – just kind of ignoring the best player on the floor for significant stretches of the ball game is inexcusable. And then the guards are, again, they're being ball stoppers. There's no way that, that Auburn should not, or should have gone out the way that they did in the SEC tournament. And it's purely because Jabari wasn't getting enough looks. And then as far as the, you know, what we've seen in, in our matchups as Kentucky against Auburn is we can probably throw enough bodies at Kessler to take him out of the ball game. I'd imagine that there's a couple teams in this tournament um, that are going to be capable of doing that. And I think Wisconsin might be one of them. Um, so I, I took Wisconsin over Auburn. And honestly, my heart was telling me one of two things. Put Wisconsin out in the first round no matter who they're playing. Or if, you know, you treat it analytically and you think that they might have a shot, why don't we go ahead and give Kentucky a matchup against them in the championship game and see what we can do. Now, I'll say this, though. Did if I go all the way? No, I'm, I, I, I mean, I – I did give it away, but that's not how I meant to do it. Um, but my point is, is I, I, I really don't think that Auburn has all the pieces to go six games straight. And I think it's going to be matchup dependent for them. I think Wisconsin might be able to cause them enough problems to disrupt their offensive flow. Uh, let the guards try to do it themselves. And if so, Auburn will lose. Day matchup in the Midwest. I think, uh, honestly, I think it's a little uh, – I think you're underrating Auburn a little bit, especially whenever you have uh, not only big man defenders, but Kessler obviously protects the paint, but Jabari Smith is – he's not as good as Jaron Jackson when it comes to yeah, help defense. But he's pretty awesome. But Jabari Smith is very good at playing that kind of – the more of that middle defensive lane where you're looking at a team that can kind of score like they can, they can, but that defense, especially in the interior as the as the tournament goes on. For an example, I had uh, Kansas making it to the Sweet 16. I had Iowa, Wisconsin, and Auburn. I ended up having Iowa and Auburn, and I love Keegan Murray. I thought the run that Iowa went on was very impressive. But when you look at it, I was very dependent on Keegan Murray's going to win the game. Well, is he going to win the game when, when Jabari Smith is able to be matched up on him or he drives to the paint and Walker Kessler's there to reject a shot. Where's Iowa going from there where Auburn, as much as their guards are ball dominant, if it's not working when they pass to the secondary guy, it's the potential number one pick of the draft. Yeah, right. And that's so- kind of, and that's kind of more of the Auburn is a, is a complete replication 
of their or reflection, excuse me, of their players in their system. Now, I'm not guaranteeing Auburn gets there. I have some brackets where I have Iowa making it to the final four. But if Auburn is going to get there, it is because of their big men. It is because of that interior defense. And it is because the guards can play. But if they can't, the secondary option is Jabari Smith. Well, let me say this real quick. So Tyler Ulis, who's a good friend of all of ours, um, his brother is on Iowa. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked Tyler earlier today how his thoughts were on this team and their run, you know, their run to for a potential final four. Um, and he, he thinks, you know, that they're great offensively gifted, but a little bit exposed on the defensive end. How do you think that that could pose against Auburn in the Sweet 16 matchup? Well, the Iowa, when, well, that's pretty much exactly what it is. Offensively, they're very good. Yeah. If Auburn's able to kind of stymie it, then the floodgates but open. But is Auburn capable of doing that? I think so, yeah. And and a big part of it, too, is can, can Iowa get into Auburn's guards and make them uncomfortable and make them start making – Stupid decisions that that's we've seen. I think it, that's where I think to in the past. Yeah, I think it's all it. There, there's no questions about Auburn's front court. At the end of the day, you cannot question Kessler and Smith. You just can't. So, and and it, it comes back. I've harped on this a lot at the start of that that Auburn Kentucky matchup uh, down there in Alabama. The first, you know, however many minutes it was that Ty Ty and Savir were healthy, they were giving. Um, Green and whatever the other guys, Johnson, they were mm-hmm. giving them absolute hell. Those dudes were turning the ball over so much, taking so many bad shots. And the injuries came, and it's like, okay, well, you know, that's different. But I, I think if you can make Auburn's backcourt uncomfortable, you can really disrupt their offensive flow. Because Jabari, as great as he is, he is not yet, I think he will be in the NBA, he is not yet a give me the ball, clear out, I'm going to create my own shot off the dribble. He, he wants to, though. And by the way, when you asked if Auburn could score, they've had 16 games this year out of a schedule of no, I'm 32, 16. Out of, so half their games, they've scored over 80 points. Okay. So with Iowa what I was having a leaky they, defense. Can, okay, okay. Yeah, what I'm saying okay, with yeah, Iowa yeah, yeah. with the leaky defense okay. over half their games, I think that's very possible that they can outscore Iowa. Yeah. All right. Before we move on to the West, uh, Elite Eight and Final Four pick. From the set, from the Midwest, Jordan. Uh, I like I do like Iowa a lot. I I think I think it comes down to Iowa Auburn. That's going to be a really awesome game. I, I could see I could see LSU with that awesome defense they have mixing it up, but they just fired Will Wade. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pencil them in for much. But yeah, addition by subtraction. <laughs> could be could be. I've always respected Will Wade as a defensive coach, but I think he's just. Too He's overly hated on in Lexington. I mean, for what LSU was to what they – now, LSU's always been able to kind of draw in talent, but it's not like Will Wade did a bad job there. Yeah. So, I'll take Auburn, Iowa in the uh, in the Elite Eight. That's a tough game. I'm going to have to – I'm going to have to go Auburn, you know, root for the SEC at the end of the day. All right. oh, see, see, that's why you don't do brackets. I could care less if Auburn won or not. You know, like the only person I care about winning in that situation is me and my bracket. Right. So I try my best. I have had <laughs> Iowa there, but I do have Auburn. So on the uh, right side of the bracket with the South and Midwest, I have Houston and Auburn in the final four. Todd? Arizona, Wisconsin. Arizona, Auburn for me. All right. All right. We're all different. I like it. All right. Let's move on to the West. Um, Who's going to stop Gonzaga? So that's that's the question that matters in the West. We can make this we can make this segment a little bit shorter. I think let's 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 ask two questions here. Do either of you have 
Alabama and Arkansas advancing past the first round <laughs> from the SEC. I, I have Arkansas. I have Arkansas in the Sweet 16. I originally had them getting beaten by Vermont because the Vermont statistically is just one of those like golden, those golden. Mm. You know what Vermont reminds me of? They remind me of, and I know Gonzaga is a mid-tier program, but they remind me of the mid-tier program of Gonzaga where they look great on paper. You expect them to do big things and they always fall short. That's kind of Vermont to me. So I ended up switching and had Arkansas in the Sweet 16. Okay. Oh, you have them in Sweet. Oh, yeah. So do I. Okay. Um, That's what you asked. Alabama, you, you can't. Man. No, I said advancing past the first round. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you I, have? Do you have out? But you had you had Notre Dame over. I Alabama, have Notre Dame right? over Alabama. All right, what do you got, Jordan? What'd you say? You have Alabama or Arkansas winning the first round. I would. I would pencil Arkansas into the Sweet Sixteen. Yes, Alabama. They're going to run into Texas State or Texas Tech, and I think Texas Tech will give them hell. I, I, I think. I have Texas Tech in the Sweet 16. I'm saying, do you have Alabama over Notre Dame? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. Have, I do have that. I think okay. they're, Notre Dame succeeded against Kentucky's offense. Alabama's offense is far different. But their defense, is, their defense is just so bad. I have Notre Dame in that game. Alabama, nice. a team that shoots threes, can't make threes. So. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Back to the question hand here. Um, your Sweet 16, give me your Sweet 16 out of the West. Angelo, I have Gonzaga, Arkansas, Texas Tech, and Duke, and I have the Elite Eight matchup being Gonzaga, Texas Tech. Does anybody disagree with that? No, I have the same thing. Yeah, uh, I I think this is the easiest region as far as to get into this get into the second round. This has to be the easiest region. That's right. Got Shibway shirts walking through here. I actually originally wrote in. Uh, I, I, you can't bet against Enzo. I originally wrote in. Michigan State over Duke. I have um, Davidson that's not beating the official, Michigan State. That's not the official bracket that I submitted. Um, I think that Duke's just got way too much talent. And uh, to be honest, the refs aren't going to let K go out that way. <laughs> I know they won't. They so when when does the Coach K losing tour reach its when they its run into when they run into Tech? If they if it's not if it's not Texas Tech, if Texas can't Texas Tech can't beat them outright, uh, Gonzaga will hand it to them. But yeah. I have, but I have Texas Tech here's, beating them, and then Gonzaga it beating them. Uh, here, here's beating my question: Tech. You have you, we have the same exact. So Todd and I. So I'm going to take a second since we have the same exact. I have Gonzaga, Texas Tech, Elite yeah, Eight. Go for it. Duke is very talented, by the way. I'm not trying to take anything away from Duke. It's kind of the Duke experience is that they kind of lose whenever they have this much talent. But that's the same thing with Gonzaga. What is it about Gonzaga that they lost in that Michigan game? Which I understand that one. Here's the team that I thought was really going to make it. That Brandon Clark, Rui Hachimura, Gonzaga team, if you look at statistically from top to bottom, they were the team of that year, and they lost in the region. And, and I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think, this Gonzaga team, obviously, when I talked about that trinity of, of recruits, bring back players and transfer portal, Gonzaga hits all three of those just like Kentucky. Why is it that Gonzaga falls short every year, and why should we trust this Gonzaga team over the others? Two words for you, Chet Holmgren. <laughs> I love him. I love him. I think he is a recruit unlike any that we've seen, especially at Gonzaga, rivaling on like any of the Blue Bloods in a long time. He's like, I'm having to rack my brain. I mean, I'm going as far back as, as Carl Towns and Jason Tatum as far as like, you know, just, whoa, 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 
Zion Williamson had one of the greatest freshman yeah. of all time. Come on. Yeah. I shouldn't I shouldn't discount Zion. That's Zion, Zion right. shot in ACC play. He shot 76% from two point range in ACC yeah. play. Come on. Yep, you're right. Um I I just love the way that I love the way that Chet impacts the game. He's my number one pick personally. Mine too. Mine too. And yeah, I think he's a difference maker for this Gonzaga team versus the other ones. Jalen Suggs is a great player. He's not Chet Holmgren. So you're right. I love I, I can't bet. I just I can't bet against Gonzaga. I've I've got them all the way, you know, in the final four. So do I. So all three of us do. Yep. Okay. So this yeah. Gonzaga team, you say it's two words, it's Chet Holmgren. By the way, Jalen well, Suggs was my number one player too. in the draft last year, so I want to push back so hard. I love <laughs> Jalen Suggs, but Chet Holmgren, you know who he reminds me of? And I think people don't want to make this comparison because the other guy is such a great scorer and Chet's still developing you're, that. He's Kevin Durant. No way. And you're Come talking on. when you're talking Come about on. when you're talking about when you're talking <laughs> about the ability at seven foot plus to play on the perimeter with the ease and natural ball skills that he has, with his ability to play inside and out, with his ability to play defense, everything. The thing is, is I'm not saying that that Chet Holmgren can score the ball like Kevin Durant. I'm talking about the last time we saw a seven footer with this natural movement on the perimeter and across the court that it was, was a, kevin Durant. Hey, that was a great fantastic That's what I'm that saying. was a great walk back it was a great i'm walk not back. no we i'm just back. i think jordan actually probably got me. he's not the same scorer but when I, about a seven footer with that fluidity kevin durant's the last time we saw a seven footer with his fluidity no you're absolutely right about that absolutely right i do push back on the kd takes because I don't. I think KD at this stage in his career was a lot more developed with the ball in his hands, facing up. Uh, Chet's not quite there yet. I kind of view Chet more as the like Larry Bird evolution into modern basketball with a few extra inches. That's kind of the that's kind of the feel that I get from. That's that's the type of vibe I think he could bring to a to an NBA team. Um, but he's just he's an awesome player, no matter what. Either way. I I think probably like when you come with that with Kevin Durant, I mean, I, I, the only way that my, my, my devil's advocate would just be that Gonzaga's offense isn't uh, predicated to let someone like Chet Holmgren just be Chet right. Holmgren, like right. where Texas did let uh, Kevin Durant do that. I'd say the, the comparison I've seen the most that makes sense would be Kristaps Porzingis in that where it's a guy that can handle the ball at the perimeter, but he was much more of a scorer. And that was it where Holmgren looks like he can be someone that handles the ball at the perimeter and then dishes, creates offense yeah. scores, like all that. I agree with you. He's, he's to me like it, it's Chet and then maybe Jabari or it's just Chet in his own tier. Well, yeah. as we say that back, uh, screen and roll for the lob up there in the uh, first points of the game in the Gonzaga Georgia state game. Uh, live as we uh oh was that chet or kevin durant i couldn't tell was that chet (laughs) oh okay all right i I think another thing with chet too is that alpha mentality i like i think he's can't because a lot of the the porzingis comparison is a really good one um i think chet coming up in the aau circuit you know being an american playing basketball probably his whole life if i had to guess I love his mentality. I love his mental makeup and just how polished he is already at such a young age and everyone talking about his body. And every time I mention Chet to like a casual basketball fan, they're like, Oh, you better put on some weight or you're just going to get thrown around. Dude, stop. Literally. Yeah. We're the same. We're the same on that. Yeah. First of all, 
every player that you question, like he better put some weight on his frame. They always do. Once you get an NBA regimen, NBA dietitians and uh, strength training, you're you're putting on weight. It literally always happens. It's never failed. Not a single time. Well, you know who never put on weight? Devin Durant. That's not true. No, I'm being I'm being honest. If you're talking about how he still is, he never got big. Guys, come on, let's be real. Kevin Durant is still like, I mean, he he put on weight the only way he could, but you cannot tell me he's still not a string bean. Like, I mean, his body changed. His body did change. What I'm trying to say is that Chet Holmgren, with his body, if he never thickens up like Anthony Davis thickened up, it doesn't matter because his game doesn't need that. We're not playing in 1994 anymore. Like exactly. That's my argument. No, people always mention the way there's no post up basketball anymore. Guess what? If he has to go up against Joel Embiid, here's my advice. Put a center on the floor. Chet Holmgren's not a center. Yeah. He's a he's a point five or a four when you have a Joel. Embiid. Yeah. It, yeah. And you don't lose. You don't lose spacing with Chet at the floor or at no, the four. No, you don't. You don't. You don't ruin your spacing. So, so we, I will we say, all back in Zaga's their final four. Yeah, Everybody Zaga. All right. Let's do all right, it. Let's move on to the East. Here we go. Let's do it. Here we go. Wildcats, baby. All right. Number one, Baylor. I have Baylor advancing. I have Marquette over North Carolina. I have Indiana. I actually, I actually originally. That game's had, actually live now. That I know. I actually originally had Wyoming. I thought Wyoming would beat Indiana. Uh, to be fair, I hadn't seen Indiana at all. Uh, they looked phenomenal um, in that uh, last four end game. Um, I take them over St. Mary's um after seeing them uh, play then i got ucla virginia tech um who i love purdue murray state and obviously kentucky um you want to go ahead and yeah do i've got i've got baylor marquette indiana ucla just like you st mary's I, I think the thing about them is that they are so solid that maybe if they can take trace out of the game that it'll help them but overall i do think that uh Indi- Indiana, just with their defense, I think they're giving up a ridiculously yeah. low like, field goal percentage and what they do. Uh, I, hated, I hated to see them win that game. I'm scared. I'm pretty scared of them, especially for like the, the FU factor of it with mm-hmm. Indiana being so irrelevant compared to Kentucky for the last 10, 15 years. <laughs> I, I did not want to see them. Uh, make no, it you, in. you don't have to worry about that. Trust me. St. Mary's could easily win that game. I actually have Texas. Texas, I think, has almost become underrated because they have been disappointing, but their defense numbers are really out of this world. And there we, we have Jared Peck and Josh Moore both coming through here. My goodness. Shout out to the Warren Central fan that came through here. We I, I told him be, we'd shout him out. We um, did. I would be willing to bet, though, that Virginia Tech, by the time this tip-off comes tomorrow between Virginia Tech and Texas, that Virginia Tech will be favored by three and a half to four points. Virginia Tech's a good team, but Texas still, when it comes to the straight-up matchup, it's a toss-up, but, but Texas has a good defense and a decent enough offense Think to about through. this, though. An Texas is probably the most switchable defense in the country. Yeah. Just want to put what, that out there. But when's the last time that an 11-6 matchup will have the 11 favored? I guarantee you. Eleven is favored by three. I'm not, I'm three, not three saying half, that it's. Four. I'm not saying Probably, it's yeah, a slam I'm being, dunk. I'm being absurd. Let's say two and a half to three. I'm just. I'm They'll just saying. If points. if Texas is in this game, it's not a Kevin Durant three point shot. Since we keep bringing him. Up. Anyways, uh, I've got Purdue, Murray State, and St. Peter's as my like. <laughs> no, Kentucky. So what's what do you guys have in the Sweet Sixteen though? I think that's what it really oh, comes down ahead, to. I got Baylor. Um, I changed. I got Baylor, UCLA, Purdue, and Kentucky. 
Not the same exactly. I, I actually Todd is Mr. Chalk today. Hang on, no, 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 no. I actually I have Purdue written here, but I I'm pretty positive that Virginia said Tech. Virginia, Virginia Tech, Tech is. Times, I, yeah. I put Virginia Tech in my bracket. This I I wrote Purdue. I don't know why because. Um, I think Virginia Tech is a phenomenal matchup against Purdue. I think Kentucky's a terrible matchup against Purdue. Uh, you and I talked about that as well. I'm hoping, and I'm betting with my heart a little bit, um, with Virginia Tech, if they can get past Texas, I think they have a good matchup against Purdue. Um, and I, I really don't like, uh, for the reasons you're about to attest to, uh, Purdue against the Cats. Yeah, I want to avoid Purdue at all costs, mm-hmm. point blank, period. I am more scared of them than any team other than Gonzaga in this whole tournament, and that's just because Gonzaga is overwhelmingly talented. Mm-hmm. Purdue, they have the blueprint, man. Oscar thrives on being stronger than taller guys. Than guys who are taller than him, he thrives on being stronger. Well, you're you're not stronger than 330 pounds of Zach Eady or yep. however much he weighs. Like, oh, man, it terrifies me to think about what this offense would devolve into with – Purdue being able to just sit Zach on Oscar and that be it. And yep. you don't have to worry about it at all. He'd probably block him 15 times before we realize, oh, maybe something, maybe, maybe Oscar isn't the move right now. <laughs> yeah, that worries so, me. So do you, do you what, think Virginia Tech has it in them to knock Purdue off in the second round? I do. I think they match up perfectly because I they agree. can play on the perimeter. And I forget his name, but Virginia Tech's big is a perimeter-oriented big. Yep. And I think that is perfect to match up against Edie. If you're going to do anything against them, get Edie out of the paint. Make him cover some ground. Yeah, they also have Trevion Williams that can come off the bench and maybe do a little more of that coverage and and, and do some of that. I, I, I'm actually when I when the when the turn before the brackets came out, I actually I thought Purdue was going to win it all. Because yeah. I thought that they had the best setup of having that lead guard that everybody Wait, when the for. bracket came out? Before mean, the bracket. Oh, okay. Well, Before. so a month ago, I was very high on Purdue. Right. So I, you're down then. I'm down now on Purdue. Okay. I, 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 I see the threat and the matchup issues that, that that's going to cause 100%. The problem that I think yeah. they're going to run into is Virginia Tech is a better matchup for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, I have Baylor, UCLA, Purdue, Kentucky. I, I The... Purdue, I, I do have a bracket where I took Purdue all the way because I do think they have what it takes. But here's my thing with Purdue. You can blame it on the Big Ten. You can blame it on whatever you want. I don't care. When it comes to their, when it comes to Purdue as a defense, they are 222nd out of 358 schools in defensive rating, and they are giving up 68.8 points, game, points per game, which is 172nd in the nation. Now, that does kind of remind me, of uh, was it Kentucky, Indiana, the year they won the title where it was like 92 to 80 something or 100 and something to 90. Like there was a huge scoring game in that where maybe Purdue's just able to outscore uh, Kentucky. But, uh, you know, their number, their numbers just aren't very good. They're giving up almost half of the two point shots. uh, Purdue is as a defense. Mm -hmm. So with Kentucky there, I understand that Edie can be kind of a uh, ma- potential mismatch for Oscar. I think in this game, this got to be. Th- this has got to be. Well, I mean, he's still the player of the year. We still got to give him a potential benefit of the doubt. We can't just say Edie beats Chibwe. You were assuming because of the height difference, but that doesn't mean it's true. And we have to keep that on the table. The other thing is, this has got to be a key on game. Yeah. When you're 6'10", you're super athletic. What if Oscar's able to box Edie out and he's like, please, someone help me. Yeah, I, I that's think where Keon Brooks comes in and helps. Yeah. 
Well, he, of course he's he's the Terrence Jones of this team. That's one hundred percent true. He That's goes. A good call. Yeah, yeah, we go with uh, with with his success in the terms of the margins. Yeah. So wait, Just you have Texas. I'm looking real quick. You have Texas over Virginia Tech. Yeah, I told you. I think their I think their defense is really staunch. I think Texas is this point has become underrated. It is a toss up of a game, but I think that Texas will beat Virginia Tech in the first round. All right. Yeah. And then I I think UCLA hella overrated. I I'm not big on UCLA. I actually have I have Baylor in Indiana. So what I saw from Indiana, I I think they are a sh- lock for the Sweet 16. Me personally. Okay. You have Baylor and Indiana in the Sweet 16. Yep. Okay, and then and then obviously, obviously Kentucky and Purdue, and then that's what it all comes down to. I think that matchup's a given. So I'm going to make you say it. Who do you have in the Elite Eight? If 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 I could trust Kentucky to come out with the right offensive game plan to get Edie out of the paint, and more importantly, when like what Angelo said. We can't just write Oscar off. I can see Oscar absolutely gassing Edie so quick because Oscar's fast as hell. He is super, super fast. Like, he can run and transition, like probably no other big in the country. Mm. So, I think if Kentucky can keep this a transition game, Golden probably going to end up winning that game by a possession or two, or by two or three possessions, I mean. But – as soon as it enters the half court, I am just terrified of this team's offensive execution because I, I got to be honest, I don't see Oscar scoring on ED one-on-one. I know we got to give him the benefit of the doubt, but it does not seem like a favorable matchup for me at all. I, 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 I got to take Purdue, man. Elite eight, Baylor and Purdue. All right. I, as unfortunately I, as it is to say. I, that's okay. That's what we want on this podcast. I like it. All right. So Baylor Purdue, and then so your final four. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna guess that you're gonna go Zags. Do you have Baylor in the East? It's Purdue. Right? Purdue. Purdue. Yeah, really? I was gonna say. Well, I. I mean, I'm. Because Baylor's hurt. Because Baylor's I, I, hurt. I, I, well, okay. Well, so is Arizona. Well, yeah. Crease is good. Um, I, I think they can operate without him. I think Baylor's loss is far more significant in my mind. Okay. Me at least. All right, so we got Zags, Purdue, Arizona, and then who do you have in the South? I'm sorry, the Midwest? Auburn. Yeah, Auburn and Arizona. Okay. Todd? I have Zags. Kentucky. Kentucky. um, Arizona and Wisconsin. I've got – UCLA and Kentucky in the Elite Eight. I'm actually not as down on UCLA. I, th- I think Juzang, as much as he's not projected in the NBA, I mean, he's, he's proven to be he's a great college player. A great college player, a very reliable one. I think we don't uh, – one thing I'll say about this UCLA team, don't underestimate what last year did for them. They know they can win, and they believe they can win. They're retaining their top two players and their head coach. And whenever you bring that back for a team like UCLA and you have that continuity – you can go further in the play the in the in the tournament than maybe what reads on paper. Again, Arizona in the final four for you, Jordan. They gave them a run for their money in that Pac-12 championship game all the way to the last like what six minutes, and then they yeah. kind of fell apart. This is still a very good basketball team. I will take UCLA and Kentucky in the Elite Eight. I will yeah. say that Johnny Juzang does not get his revenge on Coach Cal. I have Gonzaga, Kentucky, Auburn, and Houston. In my final four, mm. you're big on Houston. Yeah, I just I like. No, I respect it. 
I respect I, it big time. I, I will say their fans. top score is hurt, but he is hoping to come back in this tournament. And you're talking about getting through two rounds, coming back with Arizona. You never know. I do think just Houston is senior laden and they've got the advanced stats to back. I will up. tell you this. If Houston beats Arizona in the sweet 16, they will likely knock off the south side of that bracket, the south side of the south bracket and advance to the final four. I'll give you that. If okay. they can get past Arizona, I don't think they can. But if they if they do, I'll give you a Villanova. Matthew not, never would. Right. Uh, well, Villanova is that not a not a sleeper team? Like I don't they, think so. No, they don't got it. I don't think they got it. Number two seed. I, they don't I, have it. They're no. I I'm don't, asking you. I'm asking. Let, let me ask Jordan because you gave it. Okay, go Jordan. Ahead. What's what's Villanova's fault? Before we get to our final four predictions, Villanova's a two seed, but we're treating them like they're a five seed. Why? That's exactly true. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's this has been a, a common theme with with Villanova really for a lot of my you know march madness viewing experience like they Jordan, don't tip what i want to interrupt you for just a second because i'm about to say something that's going to make probably in todd and i's friendship and i hope never gets back to anybody else <laughs> that villanova team not the first one but the second one the na- that won the national title i believe it was brunson divincenzo spellman bridges that's the yeah. greatest college basketball team i think i've seen oh my I the think, one that I won the national the title. One team, the thirty-eight and one team is the one that didn't win the national. title. I still think they're the best team, but that's not that what I've you just seen. Said. But I'm saying like that won a title. I mean, I think they're better than twelve cats. I do. Oh, yeah. I don't. I, I I disagree, but I don't have any say in that one. I didn't. I didn't get a ring from it. So I'm He's just wrong. saying when we're talking about the Villanova viewing experience, I've actually thought they've been probably more. So I remember you, the what Alan Ray and Randy Foy and all that team where they disappointed, but we're talking about recently, they had two really good teams, including one that I think is an all timer. I mean, they blew buddy heels, Oklahoma team out like 150. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, saw, and that was a final four game. game. Jay Wright's a damn good coach. And I do not want to be on the other side of him. So me personally, even though I didn't have Villanova in the elite eight, I would not at all be surprised if they make a run. Cause at the end of the day, I'm just not betting against Jay Wright. It's just not a smart, just not a smart decision. One, th- one thing I just want to say, this is probably the most interesting statistic when it comes to Villanova before we move to our final four. They are 18th in offensive rating, but 138th in points. And on the hmm. inverse, they're 119th in defensive rating, but 26th in defensive points given up. That is a very That's weird, a weird kind of, stat. Yeah, I've never seen something like that before, but I'm staring, I'm staring at it like that. That that is really interesting. Yeah. Anyways. All right, All right, let's, let's get to the, let's final, get to the final four. So, you know, Todd's is Gonzaga. I mean, most most brackets I've seen, Gonzaga, Kentucky is not an unpopular pick at all. Yeah. Um, and then you, you had, what, Arizona, Wisconsin? I did. Angelo, what you got? I had Gonzaga, Kentucky, Houston, and Auburn. I and ended I'm, up going with Kentucky and Auburn in the final. And I'm, I'm Purdue, Gonzaga, um, Auburn and Arizona. Oh, well, all right. Give okay. me your, give yeah, me my your, dead weighted there. Yeah. Give me your title game. That's a tough one, man. I, I think it's fine. I think it's finally the year of the Zag. I got to be honest. They disappoint so often and they, they come up short so often. I got a lot of stock in shit and my heart wants obviously Kentucky to win first and foremost. But then right behind that, I want Chet to succeed because the modern like basketball fan in me cannot stand how low people are on him just because he's skinny and seven yeah. feet tall. 
You're right. I can see why you don't do brackets they should probably, just because they should, I can see how much of the emotion he is, is coming he's out. Emotional. He by should, the way, they should just probably real, step on the gas a little bit right now. It's 14-13 against their 16 I know. Real, in real quick, it's the first yeah. day all day we've had all four games going on at we the same time. We finally got it rolling. Yeah, like finally got all four at the same time. I will say this. I, I understand where you're coming from. You say this. I will say one thing about Chet. He's still a freshman. That's all I'll say. He's still right. a freshman. All right, and then then you add that he has a senior in the front court with him too. I think that's important as well. Absolutely. Before we go to our finals predictions here, real quick, um, Jordan's going to turn this episode around real quick uh, and try to get it out before the Kentucky game. The thing about this episode, though, is it's not going to be outdated like all the other ones are. Kentucky fans are expecting us to get past St. Peter's tonight. Uh, This episode, we'll give predictions for what we think the rest of the tournament might look like, and we'll turn around and do another little segment. Um, in the next coming days. But real quick update, Tennessee, the three seed against the 14 Longwood. It's 88-56, Tennessee. No, it's not. Oh, it, it, it just finished. Wow, right after you said that. Okay. Uh, Tennessee's good, uh, man. North Carolina-Marquette game just tipped off. It's 10-8 to North Carolina with 15 minutes left in the first half. Gonzaga is tied with Georgia State, uh, 12 minutes left in the first half. And the hold number on, five on, seed. Is that, a, is that a little is, sweat bead falling off the forehead with that, yep. with that tie game it. here halfway through the first half? I see it. Mm-hmm. And the Hawkeyes are down three uh, as a five seed to the 12 seed Richmond uh, with 10 minutes left in the second half. So that game will be coming to a conclusion fairly soon. Um, so that Jordan, my bracket and shambles. Jordan, let's go. Let's jump right back to you. Let's do the finals. Give me your finals matchup. Yeah, I know we got your the Zags of the champion. Who do you have them over top? As much as I am so adamant that West Coast teams usually aren't as good and get honestly overrated pretty often, I've got two of them in there. I've got Arizona Gonzaga. Wow. So um, ultimately, like you know, you know, I'm going Gonzaga, but. I shit on the West Coast a lot, but I think it's the year of the West Coast, man. I don't know. This is our first turn. This is our first real tournament in a while. So Everything's just to clarify, weird. just to clarify, your highest on Southeast Southeastern Conference, and yeah. you have the. And but I you think have, you have you have Kentucky going out in the Sweet Sixteen mm-hmm. to Purdue. You have Auburn going out in the Final Four to Arizona. Correct. Yep. And you have Tennessee going out um, in the Sweet 16 to Villanova. Right. Right? Right. Okay. It's weird, right. man. That March is random. You guys know this. March is so it is, random. It is. It and is. I just I find it surprising that out of the three best SEC chances to win a title, um, nobody's getting past the Sweet 16. Yeah. A big part of it is how innately pessimistic I am about Kentucky and their, and their half-court offense. It's okay. a big part of it because lots of people have them even in the championship game. And I don't want to jinx it, to be real with you. Fair enough. All right, Angelo, who do you got in the finals? Um, I have Kentucky oh, you defeating Gonzaga because um, I, I do think that – I think that Gonzaga is a very good basketball team. Chet Holmgren could have the game of his life against Oscar, but we're talking about a guy that's a grown man versus a guy that's still developing. I'm not yeah. saying it's because he's super skinny or anything. I think Chet Holmgren is my favorite for number one pick. I think he's in a class of his own. Kentucky, I think, could just maybe out-athlete Gonzaga, yeah. too, at the same time. I mean, that's something that they're not accustomed to and might get a rude awakening against a very athletic Kentucky uh, frontline and backcourt overall. Ty Ty, Ty Ty Washington's very underrated in my mind. As, as a defender? Granted, 
by someone, no, just as a basketball player overall, by someone on this podcast, very underrated. And uh, I think that he has the ability to uh, uh, really make an impact, not only at this level, but at the next level. And then I have Auburn over Houston. I mean, I, I think that, that would, it would be nice if Houston got to that point, and I think they had the resume too. But that uh, um, Walker Kessler and uh, Jabari Smith combo in that front court would just be too much for Houston. Uh, so I have a Kentucky-Auburn national championship matchup. All right. It is, it is hilarious that I was the one defending the SEC earlier and saying why the Big Ten's weak, and yet I have one SEC team in my Final Four, and then you have a, a full SEC championship yeah, game. It's crazy how things work. 100%. I've actually got uh, Kentucky-Wisconsin, which I alluded to earlier, but um, again, you I'm, want that so bad. I'm, I know he wants it. I'm betting a little bad. bit with my heart, but I, I get <laughs> look at him. a little bit. But I'm saying, I, I, I told you why I think Auburn's a little bit weak. I told you why I think they can be exposed. I don't, I, I won't be shocked if they win that ball game against Wisconsin in the Sweet 16. But what makes Wisconsin so good to get to the final, though? Yeah, Is Johnny Davis. I don't know. It? I think he's great. I mean, I mean he's, he's great. He's, he's great, but I, I'm also not. I, I really am so down on Auburn's guards. I don't think that they're utilizing the talent that they have on the floor in the best way they can. I think if Wisconsin takes advantage of that, they might knock them out. If they do, right, I'm but down it's, it's on not K- necessarily that that I'm talking about. It's then, but then they have to beat Kansas and Arizona, and I you still think Wisconsin can go through that gauntlet? I, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's a, it's it's probably the toughest. What I have lined out here, Wisconsin's route to the championship game is easily the toughest route that I've drawn out, mm-hmm. right? They have to beat Auburn in the Sweet 16, Kansas in the Elite Eight, and Arizona in the Final Four. I'm sorry. Yeah, in the Final Four. That's that's a gauntlet. You're right. But there's only a few teams, and to be fair, Wisconsin up until the last couple of weeks wasn't in those couple teams that I thought had the, uh, the tenacity to win six games straight. Purdue was in there for me. In the last month, they've fallen off. Right. Wisconsin wasn't a month ago. I think they've come on. Um, I, I think there's only a few teams that are capable of doing that. So um, I, I have Wisconsin matching up with Arizona in the Final Four and advancing to play the Cats in a national championship game. Vengeance! See that? Vengeance! vengeance. Have you all seen the Batman yet? Either ah. of you? He says that a lot. I think, you, I think you've got – I think you've got – the right conference, wrong team in that bracket if you want it to go to a title. But that's just my opinion. Just my opinion. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's what we're working with. All Sorry, of us. I have a, and a my opinion. Game. Yeah. Well, who's is, your final game? Gonzaga, Arizona? Yeah, Gonzaga, Arizona. It's the year of the Zags, like I said. Yep. You, you guys know how much I love Kentucky basketball, and I care so much about them. And I really want them to win super, super bad. I'm so low on the half-court offense. I'm so low on the matchup dependence. It is unbelievable how pessimistic I've become on this team, where I was at the start of the year. And then as they started to pull things together, I was like, oh, shit, okay. And then now here at the, again at the end of the year, they've I feel like they've regressed in a, in a dangerous way. The offense is too archaic. I could go on and on, but – I just wanted to say my piece because I'm the only one here that doesn't have Kentucky winning at all. Yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback you here. We you we've spoken about this on countless occasions on this podcast um, and off of the mic um, where we've discussed our opinions on why the half court is the way that it is. I have faith that these three transfer veterans, two veterans that have played for this coaching staff in the past, um, and Cal's experience in this tournament that they'll be able to figure this out. And I know that we've been saying that for months. We've been talking about how they progressed and they never took a step backwards. 
all the way through even midway through January, early into December or into uh, February. I'm sorry. And then we had a couple slip ups where we got stalled out on offense and we didn't have the answers. There's no excuse for not having the answers this late in the season. Um, you know, as we progress through this tournament, I really think that those that those veterans will kind of take those reins from Cal um, and, and lead this team on a charge to, to go ahead and execute the offense the way that they know how to do it. We have experience on the floor. We have the experience out there. I think when when push comes to shove, those guys are going to step up and basketball players are going to make basketball plays and we're going to make the plays we need to win a national title this year. Here's, here's the thing, Todd. I don't like the offense. <laughs> Point blank period. I don't like forcing basketball players to make basketball plays and that being the only crush that you have. But we'll see. I got it. I understand. Uh, Jordan, I'm going to interrupt you, man. I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. I actually have Kentucky winning it all in this bracket. I'll go ahead and reveal mine. I have Kentucky over Auburn uh, to win the national championship. A lot of that was to kind of back up my own preseason pick, but uh, this team has felt fallen short of what I thought they could be. I, I think the under, I, I think that the lack of Kellen Grady's overall play and Keon Brooks's hot and cold game have really devalued uh, my opinion of the ceiling of this team. I, I think CJ Frederick is actually like pretty underrated and, and that loss for us earlier in the year. Yeah. Uh, overall, I'm very Davion, underrated. Yeah. Davion's doing what he's doing. Everything, everything is in, in Shebae just mo- like, like leaps and bounds, like surpassed my expectations actually. Oh, so yeah. it should kind of bring it to a middle ground, but overall, Facts are facts. You got one guy that can play off the ball on the perimeter, and that's it. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. No one else has proven they can. Bryce Hopkins is the only other one, and he's he's 50-50. Sometimes he throws the ball out of bounds. Sometimes he makes an awesome play. There are no other ISO players on this team except yeah. Ty Ty, and that I, is the problem. I think the definition of this team is matchup dependent to me. I think they are so yeah. matchup dependent because – you know, Oscar sometimes is going to have games where he just goes nuclear and they don't have anyone they can throw at him. He gets, you know, 30 and 20, whatever. Savir, well, the offense is running on all cylinders. Savir can create downhill penetration. He can get to the rim. He can find a finish or he can find a kick out. That's not consistent at all. Against the best half-court defenses, that has been proven inconsistent at the very best. So that's that's why I'm just so terrified of it and – Ty Ty is a great offensive creator. I mean, he's not, you know, he, he he's not Jamal Murray. You know what I mean? I just think it's funny at this point because I almost feel like you're the biggest UK fan on this. With all respect to Todd, but you're the biggest fan. You you did not choose them to even get past the Sweet 16. I chose them and told you every reason why they wouldn't win the title. And then Todd's the one over here pie in the sky. I could tell you he's going to win it all, and he's happy about it. I feel like we ended up bringing Todd down. It's, yeah. it's you know, you're not wrong, but I'm not I'm not pie in the sky. I think that this team has I mean, to be honest, we have the potential to lose to Murray State if we don't come out and perform. That'll be like, a good game. If we stall out offensively and can't find the answers, then it doesn't matter who we're playing. This is the NCAA tournament. It doesn't matter. I think, who we're playing. I think we'll be fine though. And it proves right now, and this yeah. is live, it'll be outdated by the time this comes out. But uh Georgia State and Gonzaga locked up in a 21-21 yeah. tie. Uh, hope, hopefully Jordan's still standing at the end of this. Dude, I would I would pass out. 
<laughs> honestly Chet, I Chet hope goes like three hey, for here's 17. what's gonna happen here's what's gonna happen by the time Jordan gets this turned around and gets it out in the next hour or so Gonzaga's gonna have already lost this game and he's gonna be like oh man the file was corrupted I can't put it out and he's just saying Gonzaga has no chance in this and we're replying like yeah you really like Gonzaga blah blah yeah. blah I can't get rid of that awesome amazing yeah. I, I uh I think that Murray State game is going to be super fun, though. Tomorrow. So you think this was you fun. think navy and red confetti is falling on April fourth? Yes, work work Kentucky to be able to match up with a different another a different team than Purdue in the Sweet Sixteen. I could maybe see some blue and white, but that Purdue matchup just terrifies me. I hate that draw. I'd almost rather see nearly any other team. Literally, wow. Blank period. All right. Well, I'm excited to watch this uh, Purdue Yale matchup tomorrow. Uh, just to uh, kind of see where their head's at, because you'll be able to tell a lot um, by the way they come out in the first round and see whether yeah. they're uh, – I'd love to see them. Oh, my God. If they lost, oh, that would be amazing. I'd be it so would. happy. It would. They won't. <laughs> they won't. All right. We're going to wrap it up here. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate anything else? No, nah, man, like Jordan, Todd, like I appreciate y'all having me on. Honestly, it's long overdue. I blame you at zero, Jordan. I blame Todd 100%. It, but as now, you should, as you now, should. Now that now that you've had me on, you'll see all the follows go up, higher listener rates than ever before. You're going to get a Star ton power, of power, baby. That's what it's and, all about. And, and trust me, it, it, it'll it'll come here. But uh, Todd, Todd, it was uh, it was good helping you out on your on your program. Man, no, I appreciate no, you no, coming you, on. Man, thank, you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He's been a hey, he's been a huge help to me on the radio. He's actually probably the reason that I'm not great at podcasting because I'm still so like buttoned up for the radio sessions. No. But for now, I'm going to drink another Budweiser and uh, we're going to wait on you to get this turned around and we'll see you down here for tip off. Yeah, I'm going to edit an episode. All right, buddy. Be quick about it. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Jay. Oh, yeah. This is really fun. Hey. Angelo, I need you in my corner more often. Yeah, I, I, I'll, hey, I'll be here there. Listen, well, Jordan, unless you're Jordan wrong. puts you up with a lot of shit for me, but he's the best there is. I appreciate you, buddy. Nope. No. All right, guys. All right. We'll see you all in a couple days. We'll do a follow-up episode after the first weekend, um, obviously, as we lead into uh, what will be the Sweet 16. Hopefully, the cats are there. We'll see you soon. Yep. Hey, it's March.